Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Believe in Everything Ole Miss right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Today I'm breaking down everything you need to know about the Rebels' new head coach, Lane Kiffin, what we can expect from him this year, and how the team is gearing up for the season opener this weekend. Who's going to be Kiffin's starting quarterback, and what is he going to do with the offensive line this year? I'm talking about all of that, plus tackling some bold predictions for Ole Miss this season under this new head coaching. I'm your host, Jordan Dollinger, and this episode is brought to you by our partners over at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We're still just a few days away from Ole Miss football, but to hold us over, thankfully, the NFL is back in full swing. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. Plus, there's always an online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Jumping back to our discussion today, I'm so excited to be joined by Grayson Weir, formerly of Fox Sports and currently with Red Cup Rebellion. Welcome, Grayson. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm, re- I'm really glad that you, uh, you know, took the time to, to reach out to me and we were able to make this work. Um, I'm Grayson Weir, redcuprebellion.com. We are the SB Nation affiliate, Ole Miss affiliated site. Um, y'all go check it out. We, we are everything that 24-7 and rivals and all those guys can offer, but more fun. Um, on top of that, a little sports book review. So if you're looking for weekly college football picks, I'm your guy. Uh, find me on Twitter at GsonDayW. Really glad to be here. Looking forward to diving into everything and anything Ole Miss, as Rebel Rags would say. Awesome. Yeah, really glad to have you. So let's just start off. We'll dive right in with a little background about the new Rebels head coach. Kiffin has had a very long coaching career starting in 1998 when he was a student assistant for the football program at his alma mater, Fresno State, after playing quarterback there himself for three seasons. He moved on to become a defensive quality control assistant with the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2000 and was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders for the 2007-8 season. In between these two stints in the NFL, Kiffin coached at USC, the University of Southern California, for five years starting out as the tight ends coach and then coached the wide receivers before taking over as USC's offensive coordinator, where he led the team to a scoring average of over 49 points per game. Kiffin went on to become the head coach of the University of Tennessee thereafter and led the Volunteers to a second-place finish in the SEC East and a bowl game appearance in 2009. 
The following year, Kiffin returned back to the University of Southern California as the head coach of the Trojans. Kiffin spent the next four seasons as the head coach at USC before becoming the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Alabama in 2014. Kiffin's responsibilities with the Tide started off as identifying and developing starting quarterbacks, including some familiar names, Blake Sims, Jake Coker, and Jalen Hurts, all of whom have been drafted to the NFL. Kiffin left Alabama after three seasons to join Florida Atlantic in December of 2016, where he led the FAU Owls to their second conference title in program history. Kiffin comes to Ole Miss after three years at FAU, and this will, of course, be Kiffin's first year as the head coach of the Rebels, but as we've heard, he has more than 10 years of head coaching experience, eight years at the NCAA level. He has clearly shown that he's been able to turn programs around, really bring something new. So what are we expecting from Kiffin in terms of what he's going to bring to our program overall and what we can expect from the season opener this weekend on September 26th? I think the biggest thing I mean, you have to remember, Lane Kiffin is 45 years old. So you listed off all of those jobs. You know, he's been, he started at Fresno. One of my favorite stories for Lane, actually, he was the quarterback at Fresno state ultimately came to camp one day, just dressed in street clothes. And the coach at the time, Jeff Tedford said, Hey Lane, you know, why aren't you dressed? We have practice today. And he said, well, coach, if I'm not going to start, I'm not interested in playing. I'd rather just learn under you. So that's how he gets his start at Fresno State. And then he's gone all the way through USC as the offensive coordinator with like the best offense, probably in college football history. Um, I would not be doing what I do or love sports the way that I do without Lane Kiffin's 2004-2005 offense with Reggie Bush, Lendo White, Steve Smith, Dwayne Jarrett. Then goes to the Raiders, learns a lot there. So the, the biggest thing you're getting from Kiffin is experience. And that's crazy because 45 years old, most coaches are just getting their first start as a head coach at a power five program. He's now in his third power five program head coaching job has been the offensive coordinator, been a head coach in the NFL. And like you said, at Florida Atlantic took a team that was just a perennial basement dweller and turned them into a 10 win team in his first season, won a couple of conference titles, made a couple of bowl games, things that aren't expected of Florida Atlantic. Lane Kiffin went in there, recruited his butt off, brought in some transfer people like he is doing here at Ole Miss and won ball games. So the biggest, the biggest things you're getting are experience and someone who has learned from his mistakes. Lane Kiffin has made a lot of mistakes in his career. He will admit it self-admittedly. You know, he said Alabama recently on the Pat McAfee show, he called the Alabama Rehab University because it's where all coaches who have, you know, flunked out of other power five jobs or head coaching jobs in the NFL, offensive coordinator positions in the NFL, what have you, they all go back to learn under Saban, dominate for a year or two, and then kind of get propelled back up. So you're getting a guy who's experienced, who has learned from a lot of mistakes, who has won games on the highest level with an unbelievably dominant offense. I mean, that 2004, rather 2005 season when he became the co-offensive coordinator with Steve Sarkeesian was the best offense in college football history. And then Alabama, you know, he took a guy like Blake Sims, who was a backup running back for the first two years of his career, turned him into a national championship quarterback. So you've got a guy who has won on the highest level, knows what he's doing, but then also he's at the kind of latter half of his career, which is again, crazy for 45 years old. And he's giving the reins to his coordinators more. So Kiffin at USC was calling the plays when he was the head coach from 2010 to 2013. It didn't end up working out. Everyone knows the tarmac story. He likes to joke about it as well, because all you can do is laugh about your lowest moments in life. But he, you know, he gets to Florida Atlantic, brings in Kendall Bryles, who was the offensive coordinator there under Kiffin and let him call the plays. For the first time in his career, Kiffin was not calling plays. That was in 2017, 
2017, his first year, and then did the same thing with Charlie Weiss. So you're getting someone who has, like I said, you know, one on the highest level, learn from his mistakes. But then the, that third component is he is giving the keys to his coordinators and allowing himself just to be a head coach. So he can worry about the offense. He can worry about the defense, but he has guys like Jeff Levy, DJ Durkin, who are fantastic offensive and defensive minds. Chris Partridge too, great, you know, co-defensive coordinator there, but he's more so the recruiting guy. But Kiffin's giving them the keys and saying, hey, you guys run your groups how you want to run them as long as it's under my vision and as long as it follows suit with what I know works and what results in wins. So it's a very interesting point in his career. And who knows how long he'll be in Oxford. If he's on in two, three, four, five years, that means he has won football games. So that's a good thing. And we have a proven winner for the first time really since, gosh, I guess you could say Houston Nutt was a, a proven winner, but then obviously didn't do so at Ole Miss. So you have a proven winner for the first time since the early 2000s, since Cutcliffe maybe even with uh, Eli. So two days from now, September 26th, first game in Oxford to kick off the season against Florida. Do you think Lane is going to lead the Rebels to a victory right out of the gate? Can we bet on that or not just yet? <laughs> I don't know about that. Um, I'd like to – my optimism tells me that this game is going to be a lot closer than it likely would be in a normal year because, you know, the offseason has been so weird. Teams have barely hit. Kiffin came out and said the other day, in their most recent scrimmage, the most they've hit was 75% of practice. That's – not a lot going into a year where you're going against a top, I believe Florida's a top 10 uh, team in the country. Their defense is stout. Their offense is powerful. They've got an explosive quarterback. And then of course, Dan Mullen knows what he's doing. Do I think that there's going to be a win come next Saturday? I won't say yes, but I also won't say no. I think if there's a time to beat Florida, it's going to be after such a weird off season where we've seen through the first two weeks of the season that, Teams need a learning curve. This is almost like a preseason game. Week one is almost like a preseason game in that teams who are supposed to perform aren't, and teams that aren't supposed to perform are playing on an equal level as their opponents. So I think there's a chance, but I wouldn't say it's a high chance that Ole Miss beats Florida on the 26th. Yeah, I agree with that. And you touched a little bit on the offensive line, which I want to talk more about because I think it's definitely being overshadowed a bit at the moment with the starting quarterback debate, which is definitely important. And we'll get to that next. But let's unpack what we need to know about this year's O-line. I know you're very passionate about this. And I think we can agree that something Kiffin does best and that he's proven he's done best is adjusting his offense to his quarterback, whomever that may be this season. So what can we expect this to look like in terms of the offensive line specifically? What do you think? Yeah, so I like what you said about adjusting his offense to his quarterback. I think that's absolutely true. And then on top of that, I think it's even more so getting the balls to his playmakers. And you can't get the ball to your playmakers unless the offensive line is doing their job. I believe every single play, you win or lose or die by the offensive line. The big uglies up front push the ball. They set the tone. Whatever happens in the trenches is the course of the game. If the offensive line can win, the team's going to move the ball. If the team can move the ball, they're going to score points. And so coming into the year, or rather the fall camp, you know, there weren't a lot of question marks, at least we thought. We thought Eli Johnson was the incumbent center. We thought Ben Brown and Royce Newman were going to be at guard. Left tackle would be Nick Broker. And then right tackle was going to be the only question mark. At least that was coming into fall camp. Things changed very quickly when Eli Johnson decided to opt out of the season because of COVID concerns, which makes sense. You know, David Johnson... We love him at the Cup. One of the best, nicest guys on the Ole Miss beat in Oxford. Struggled with COVID-19, so it makes sense that his son would then opt out. But then he chose to enter the, the transfer portal. That comes from everything I've heard that 
he likely wasn't going to just get the starting role at center. But that's neither here nor there. We wish Eli the best. Um, and we look forward to 2020, where Ben Brown, who I think would have been an NFL guard at some point in his career, still may be, still likely will be. He's moving inside the center. So he hasn't played much center but he is a phenomenal run blocker, great technique guy. The transition has come very easy for him, but he has self-admittedly said uh, he's got to work on consistency on his snaps. So that's something to watch come week one between the center and whoever is at quarterback, which you said we'll get to. We'll see how that ebbs and flows. Then to either side of him, the guard position is now up in the air because Royce Newman, who was supposed to start at right tackle, is now pushed out to the outside or right guard rather, now pushed out to the outside playing right tackle. So guards and spots are both wide open. You've got Jalen Cunningham, who's likely the guy that's going to be in there, you know, first play, first game on Saturday. But there's a good rotation between someone like Jalen Cunningham, Jeremy James, Caleb Warman, Bryce Ramsey. Cunningham's the most experienced. He played really well against Alabama last year. Jeremy James, Caleb Warren, and Bryce Ramsey all redshirted last year, uh, but will be huge factors in what the line looks like this year. Like you said, you know, Kiffin caters his offense to his quarterback. I think this year, you know, either guy, there's going to be a lot of running. Less than what we saw with Rich Rodriguez last year. But they're going to throw the ball too. Uh, so you need people who can stand in pass protection and set their feet and lock their arms out. And Randy Clements, who's the offensive line coach, is a phenomenal coach. Did great things at Florida State. Houston in the middle there, somewhere along the lines. Jeremy James, Caleb Warren, Bryce Ramsey will all factor into the guard equation. Ramsey's my favorite. Bryce Ramsey is 6'1", 340. So he's just a freaking bowling ball. Not particularly tall, but he'll just run you over. Uh, so if you get him you know, pushing the middle, pushing that nose guard or that two technique with Jerry on and Snoop running behind him, that could get pretty, pretty nasty. And then at tackle, like I said, Royce Newman pushes out. He was actually a right tackle at a high school four-star recruit. Going back to his natural position after playing guard last year, he took like all, he started every game at either left or right guard. Now moving back to his natural position at tackle, he's really good. And then on the left side, Nick Broker, who locked down the left tackle position last year after kind of going in a rotation early in the season, won the job by the Egg Bowl. He's fantastic. He's a sophomore. He's a big frame, big body under Randy Clements. Um, maybe not this year. I think the line will have a little bit of, you know, at least a slow start and then kind of come into its own towards the end of the season. But Nick Broker is a guy who will play maybe not left tackle on Sundays, but he's going to play in the NFL on Sundays in some capacity one day. So the line is really solid. And then if you want to factor in the tight ends, Kenny Yeboa, you know, six foot four transfer from Temple comes in. He was, he didn't allow a single sack in pass protection last year. You can't ask for anything else. And then his counterpart, Chase Rogers, who's coming in from Louisiana Lafayette, um, one of the better run blockers for the Raging Cajuns two years ago in Billy Napier's first year. So the offensive line is in good shape. It's just a matter of can they come out ready to play after not hitting full speed during the offseason. I'm so glad you mentioned the tight ends because you recently published an article titled <laughs> Bold Predictions for Ole Miss 2020 Football. You guys can find that on Red Cup Rebellion. And one of those bold predictions is that this season there's going to be five touchdowns scored by tight ends. Are you still sticking by this prediction, you think? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, that one is the one I'm most confident in of the 20 bold predictions. Um, yeah, I mean, Oct Octavius Cooley, Jason Peller and Octavius Cooley were fine, but they were kind of irrelevant 
and the offense, they weren't spectacular standouts. Cooley probably could have been better in a different system, but Jason Pellerin was a quarterback turned tight end. He had the one great catch against Southern Miss or rather Southern Missouri last year. But other than that, the, the tight ends didn't factor into anything. And then on, before that, you had Phil Longo forgetting that Dawson Knox even existed, who's now tearing it up in the NFL. So super annoying. But then now you have two guys in Chase Rogers and Kenny Yaboa who are both transfers coming in at different times. Yaboa this offseason, Chase Rogers last offseason coming in off of a, a knee injury of some sort, rehabbed it all of 2019. Both going to play big roles this year in the receiving game because if you look at Kevin's offense, Levy's too. So it's Levy's offense that has Kevin's influences sprinkled in. But if you look at an offense that Kiffin and Levy have both run, they utilize the tight end a lot under Kiffin last year with Charlie Weiss Jr. as his offensive coordinator. Harrison Bryant ended up winning the award for the best tight end in the country after scoring seven touchdowns on 65 catches. So Kenny Uboa and Chase Rogers are going to factor into the equation really well. And I, I don't think, you know, I think there's a good chance they score more than five touchdowns because I think there'll be a lot of inside slants and a lot of quick post routes that whomever is at quarterback We'll be able to hit them just over the middle with their big frames. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm hoping that we'll get to see some of that tight end action that you're predicting because that's not something we're really used to. So it'd be a nice surprise, definitely. And speaking of surprises, how do we not know who the starting quarterback is going to be this weekend? We're only two days away. We know Kiffin has been working both John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral at camp, and they're both likely going to get their hands on the ball, but... What are your thoughts on who Kiffin is going to start officially this week? I don't know what where your head is, but I, I have it fairly certain, and I think you could write it in stone that Matt Corral will be the guy at least taking the first snap on September 26th. Everything we've heard from camp, which is less than a normal year because A, Kiffin doesn't like access to the media in the first place. B, COVID-19 has kept the media out of every practice, every scrimmage, everything. So nobody really knows what's going on behind the scenes, but everything we've heard is that Matt Corral's running away with the job. I mean, he's the better passer. He can run the option in Levy's system like Mackenzie Milton did two years ago. Pretty much the same frame as Corral. Corral looks to be in the best shape of his career. And people sleep on his athleticism. Yeah, Plumlee can run. He runs like a jackrabbit. John Bryce Plumlee can run. He can't throw the ball. He's worked with the quarterback guru down there in Mississippi all offseason. His throwing motion is improved, but everything we've heard from camps says that Corral's passing numbers are far and wide significantly better. Plumlee now has run the ball, obviously better than Corral has, but Corral's also run for 40, 50 yards of scrimmage. They're not hitting quarterbacks, so you have to wonder about yards after contact and if defensive backs are coming down as hard on the line of scrimmage as they normally would in a full-speed game. I think Corral's going to get the snap to start the game against Florida on Saturday. But I do think, especially in what we can, some people are calling it a year zero. I think it's year one for Lane Kiffin. And I think he would rather it be looked at the, that way. But in this, you know, weird COVID-19 year where we don't know if we're going to have bowl games, we don't know if we're going to have SEC championships. We don't know what's going to happen there ultimately with the season, 10 games in conference. Um, there's a lot of flexibility to try a lot of different things. Both Plumley and Corral are the same class thing which is unbelievable that we have two guys set up for the future it's just a matter of you know who can take that job and what do you do with Plumley if Corral is the quarterback because Plumley's such an incredible athlete you can't not have him touching the ball at least 10 times a game so you have to wonder if he becomes a third running back with Snoop and Jerry on if they use him as a slot back if they use him as a scat receiver uh, there's a lot of different factors in, but I think ultimately Corral will get the job. I don't know what you're thinking or where your head is, um, 
Do you think that's the right decision? Yeah, so I agree with you. I, I don't think that Plumlee's arm strength is on the same level as Corral, but I think that Plumlee is more exciting. I think that he does have a lot of potential. I know that he's not quite on that same level, but I just think working under Kiffin this year might really turn it around for him. And I know you touched on him being fast and, and a lot of quarterbacks are fast, but he is really fast. And so I think that that is something that's- Yeah, four three three. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's just like kind of unheard of. It's just like really incredible. I just think he's a true athlete in every sense of the word, you know, football, baseball. I think that, I think that he wants it. I just think that he's a little bit more exciting, but I do agree with you. I don't think, I, I mean, his job is, you know, to throw the ball first and foremost, other than run it. And I think that, I don't think his arm strength is up to corrals. And I think that you might be right in that corral might start. Um, but I, I do hope that Plumlee, like you said, at least gets 10 touches on the ball, if not more. I don't know if they'll split time or, or what that's going to look like, but I definitely hope that he is, is doing something. And I think that he will, because I think that he's excited. And I think that people are excited to see him from what I've gathered. I think that that might be the way that it goes, but it'll be interesting to see. Do you think it's going to be a game time decision? Or do you think that Kiffin is going to let us know prior to that game? I don't think he's going to let us know. Prior to the game, I think it's going to be a surprise when the team takes the field. I think as an, a head coach, um, I think it'll be, you know, Kiffin, Levy, and both of the quarterbacks in the room where they sit down on maybe, if they haven't already, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, and they say, hey, here's the situation. I think both guys are going to play a fairly decent amount until one of them wins the job outright, although every sign points to Corral doing so. But I kind of hope that they run a two-quarterback system like Connor Shaw and Dylan Thompson did in 2012 with South Carolina. Um, I mean, I think the options are endless. And we've seen before, absolutely. And we've seen before, like in, uh, in uh, Hugh Freeze offense, where they have packages for Devontae Kincaid and Barry Brunetti and, you know, big leg, things like that. And I think there's an opportunity here to go even beyond that and really use both of these two fairly equally. It worked at Missouri last year. They ultimately ended up losing the game, but the two quarterback system was working against Missouri and it kind of worked in a sense against Mississippi state in that if they had gone between the two, the whole game, they might have won that egg bowl last year, but instead, you know, Corral came into the last drive. He came in a little bit too late in my opinion, at least it'll be interesting to see what happens and how it ultimately shakes out. But yeah, I think, I think sometime next week, Kevin will sit down with both of them and say, Hey, Corral's the guy. Lumley, you're going to get your snaps. You're going to get your touches because you're too dynamic of an athlete not to get the ball in my offense. I don't know if the media will know anything outside of maybe a leaked source or something until that first play on, on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think Kiffin is going to utilize both of them. Like you said, I really can't imagine either of them not taking part in Saturday's game in some capacity. So I definitely expect to see both of them play, but we also aren't the only ones that expect both of them to play. Um, Florida's defensive coordinator Todd Grantham actually told Rivals affiliate Gators Territory that the team has spent time preparing for both Plumlee and Corral ahead of this weekend season opener and that he fully expects to see both of them play as well. A fun fact here, something that makes this weekend's game even the more interesting is that both of these quarterbacks are actually pretty familiar with the Florida Gators already. Uh, the first football scholarship that John Rice Plumley ever received was actually from Dan Mullen himself back when he was the head coach for Mississippi State and Plumley was just a three-star recruit out of Mississippi. And Corral, believe it or not, was actually committed to Florida at the time of Mullen's hiring with the Gators back in 2017 before eventually de 
decommitting and of course signing with Ole Miss there shortly after. But all of this makes for a very fun matchup this weekend for us to watch. It'll get even better if some of these bold predictions of yours come to fruition and hold up, which I'm definitely hoping for. We've got the offense converting over 24 down attempts. I'm with you on this one. And then Ole Miss winning four road games, which could be a lot since we only have 10 games this season, a condensed schedule. But tell me more about how you came up with this one. So I, I, we'll start with the four road games. Um, this is definitely one of the bolder ones, but I think Arkansas and Vanderbilt are kind of a given. Arkansas, at least I hope that they would be a given because those two teams are just abysmal. I mean, they're really just that bad to where you should be able to call it a day. Then on top of that, you have Kentucky, which is on the road. We've seen Ole Miss win in Lexington before. No fans, so the home field advantage is taken out of it. I've heard Kroger is kind of an interesting place to play uh, when games get close down, down the wire. So I think you, you have a real legitimate shot to beat Kentucky. You can pencil in Arkansas and Vanderbilt. And then all you need to do is go in to Death Valley and beat LSU or go to College Station and beat Texas A&M. And now I say that as if it is an easy task. It's a very difficult thing to do, to go into either of those places. But if there is a year for that to happen, it's this year. Death Valley is not Death Valley without fans. College Station is not College Station without fans. On top of that, LSU is missing the vast majority of their team from last year winning that national championship. On top of that, they lost their passing game coordinator and Joe Brady. They have a new offensive coordinator. They have a new defensive coordinator. There's a lot of change going on in Baton Rouge with a new quarterback who Miles Brennan is good. We've seen him tear it up in Mississippi before. The question is as to whether he can continue his high school dominance now on a division one NCAA level. Um, So I think that's, that's a game that people are counting Ole Miss out right away. I think there's a more legitimate shot than ever to go in and be an LSU team coming off of a national championship, which is not something you could typically say, but in a weird year with so much turnover, it's realistic. On top of that, we've seen it, what Ed Orgeron is like, like a coach. I think he's going to get exposed this year. I've seen him at Ole Miss before and at USC as a USC fan myself. He's great. He's a passionate guy. Everybody loves Coach O, except for his wife. Uh, but everybody loves Coach O. That's great. It's just a matter of can he actually coach without a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. So I think there's a legitimate shot to go in there and sneak one away from LSU or A&M. Vanderbilt's a pencil in. Arkansas's a pencil in. Kentucky's kind of a toss-up. Fourth down attempts. Ole Miss converts more than 20 fourth down attempts. Yeah, I'll stand by this one too. Um, Lane Kiffin has said since day one of his opening press conference in Oxford, Lane Kiffin's going to go for it on fourth down the vast majority of the time. The statistics, the numbers, the math, all that stuff is beyond my head, but there are people who can do it for us. And they tell us, you know, if it's fourth and five or less, if you go for it, you have a higher chance of winning because you have a higher chance of converting, which turns into a higher chance of scoring points, which turns into a higher chance of winning, right? So the, the math all adds up. Can he do it at all Miss? Probably. I mean, he did so in FAU in 2017. I think they went for it like 40 times and he converted it um, something like 25 or 26. So he was above a 50% clip uh, his first year in FAU, just going for it on anything less than fourth and five, even longer than fourth and five in some instances, if you're in plus yardage. The numbers show that you're going to convert it more often than not, which is not what you would typically think. And I think he'll do that again. And then the prediction that the Rebels are going to play the same team more than once. Maybe some schedule shuffling? 
I think there's a good chance that the schedules get shoveled around. You know, what happens when the entire defensive line is out? There's a lot of question marks that are left unanswered until they're actually answered, right? That sounds stupid in a simplistic sense, but we won't know until we know. So I, I, I said that in that when you look at the MLB, there's been a lot of schedule reshuffling. There's only 10 games season. Now with the Big Ten coming back, the Pac-12 likely coming back, depending on what Governor Newsom does out there in California, I think there's a more opportunity to play later into the year. So I think there's a bigger chance of maybe a game being postponed and pushed back towards October, November, December later in the year, as opposed to what I originally said, which was playing a team more than once. But yeah, I mean, COVID-19 is a huge question mark. But Lane Kiffin said that there's no positive tests in their last round of testing. Um, After a lot of positive tests in the first couple rounds, more than they even let on, I would think. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding COVID-19 and how it'll affect the season and, and what will happen if there's a big outbreak. But we saw last weekend, so again, I wrote this before last weekend, we saw Georgia State played with almost half of their team. I think they they sat out 33 inactives who had tested positive or were in close contact with someone. So there's a way for it to be played. And I think this bold prediction was maybe a little bit too bold, but I think there's a good chance that there'll be some schedule reshuffling in some capacity. Yeah, hopefully it's only a little, if any, which is possible. I think, you know, if they keep going the way that they are, then it's likely that there won't be a lot of schedule shuffling. Um, You referenced something Kiffin had said at a press conference last week, which is that the team had no new COVID cases when they did their latest round of testing, which is a first thus far. We'll have to hope for the best case scenario moving forward and throughout the season um, that it stays this way. But regardless of what happens this fall, this weekend is sure to be an exciting game to kick things off. And we might even be in for some surprises. Who knows? Absolutely. I mean, it's a fun game to start the year. It's a unique matchup. It's in Oxford. Um, We get to see you know, what Lane Kiffin's all about. And like you said, you know, they could surprise some people. Um, I think there's a shot at four road games. They could also, you know, just totally blow it this year. And that's okay. This year is in some sense, it's a free pass. Anything is better than the Matt Luke era. And at the end of the day, it's just going to be fun. So as long as we're having fun watching him, great. And everyone, like I said at the beginning, um, if Lane Kiffin leaves in three years, four years, five years, that means he won football games in Oxford, and that's all you can ask for. What would be some words of wisdom that you would leave with Ole Miss fans before the season opener this Saturday? For all the Ole Miss fans listening out there, keep your expectations realistic. Lane Kiffin is not going to win all 10 ball games this year. He may win one or two. That's fine. As long as there is progress in decision-making, in you know not kicking a field goal down 25, progress is being made, and progress is all you can ask for. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully I can have you on the show again soon talking about how well the season is going. I really appreciate you jumping on with me today. Yeah, count me in. Just name a time and a place. I'll be there. I'm really glad to uh, have hopped on with you today. You know, thanks for having me. Definitely. Yeah, thank you. And you guys can connect with Grayson on Twitter at G-S-O-N-J-W or check out some of his work online. Where can they find you at, Grayson? You can find us on redcuprebellion.com. We are the Ole Miss affiliated site for SB Nation. So we like to... Uh, cover Ole Miss with full integrity, but then we also like to have it a little fun with it. So keep up with us, stay with us as the season comes along. Thanks again for having me, Jordan. I appreciate you.
Awesome. Thank you again. And thank you for listening, everyone. I'll be back next Thursday to break down everything that happened during this weekend's season opener against the Florida Gators. Check back for that episode and remember to subscribe and download new episodes wherever you're listening from. I'll talk to you guys next week. Go Revs and Hottie Toddy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.